once again continue with the series of eternal judgment, um, which is the sixth doctrine taught to us out of the six foundational doctrines uh, that we pick up in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And that is our text verse that we use for the series of teachings. We've been dealing with the whole series of the foundation doctrines. And we're now dealing with eternal judgment, which is the last out of the six foundational doctrines. And uh, that text verse reads, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And so we've dealt, as I say, with um, five of those doctrines up to now. We're dealing with the sixth one at this point in time. And these are baby uh, believer doctrines. When I say baby believer doctrines, um, what I mean is that all newborn believers, as they come into the kingdom of God, should be taught these doctrines so that they have a clear understanding of these doctrines. For these are the foundation doctrines for the Christian faith. And uh, as we go through our, our Christian walk on this earth, in this life, uh, we can always benchmark uh, new teachings that we get exposed to. For there are many different topics in the Gospels taught to the body of Christ, and we obviously are to be exposed to all of them. But one of the things that we should be able to do is benchmark the teachings that we get as we progress through our, our pilgrimage on this earth against these foundational doctrines. And any teaching that we receive which falls outside of the parameters of these foundational doctrines we can then question and say, but wait a minute, that actually doesn't tie up with the Word of God. And so it's very important for us to understand these particular doctrines. And so we're dealing with regards to uh, eternal, the doctrine of eternal judgment. We're dealing with the fact that our works will be judged. We're dealing at this point in time with uh, the judgment of the saints, for the saints' judgment takes place uh, uh, at a different time to the judgment that is taken. Uh, the unbelievers will incur their judgment. And so we are looking at the fact that um, our works will be judged by our Lord Jesus Christ on that day. And in the previous teaching, we just want to recap quickly, uh, we saw that every single thing will be judged. Nothing will be left out. Heaven's records are absolutely com uh, thorough and complete. Uh, we saw scripture that revealed that every single thought that we think uh, from the time that we come into the kingdom of God until the time that we leave this earth to be with our Lord, that is being recorded in heaven. And those thoughts we will have to give an account for on that day when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and the scriptures we uh, looked at basically, um, which is one of them I can quote, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 5, he says, but with, this is Paul speaking, he says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. And so we see clearly that our judgment takes place when our Lord returns who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. And so God uh, reveals the motivation in, in our hearts. And um, behind the good works, behind the works that we do, uh, God looks upon the heart. And it's uh, the, our deepest, innermost thoughts that we will give an account to 
on that day before our Lord Jesus Christ. And we also saw very clearly that everything will be judged, good and bad. Uh, one, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 specifies very clearly that when the saint stands before the Lord Jesus, um, our whole lives are going to be judged. There's not going to be a case of just the good things will be judged, the bad things will be forgotten about. Not at all. We will give an account to our Lord Jesus Christ for everything that we have done in, in the earth, in the body the Bible talks about, um, whether good or bad. We're going to be held to account for both. That's good thoughts and bad thoughts. We will also be held to account for every word that is uttered out of our mouths. Our Lord said, every idle word that we speak, we will give an account for on that particular day. And so heaven records everything we say. Heaven records everything we, we think. Heaven records every deed we do. And all of that we will have to give an account for on that particular day. And nothing is going to be left out. Um, uh, ha having said that, uh, the good works that we do uh, from the time we come into the kingdom until the time we uh, go to be with our Lord Jesus uh, will always be there in the books. They never get taken out of the books and we will uh, be rewarded for those good work works on that particular day. However, there are works we saw in our previous teaching that in fact are blotted out of the books and will not be brought to account on that day. Um, they just won't be mentioned because there will be no record of them. And those works we saw are all sin that we as believers commit in this life for which we receive forgiveness for in this life. Um, and we saw that, uh, you know, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess our sins and uh, ask his forgiveness. Um, and so 1 John 1 9 is a, is a verse of scripture that Christians should apply to their lives consistently throughout their lives and daily and if not even more frequently than that we should keep a short account of sin in our lives because any sin that we confess before the Lord and we get forgiveness for um, is immediately blotted out of the books in heaven and so those those bad works will not be brought to account on that on that day those bad thoughts those bad words spoken those bad deeds done uh, will be blotted out by the blood of the lamb and we will not be held to account for those deeds on that day. However, uh, any bad thoughts, words or deeds that we do for which we do not receive forgiveness for in this life because we've been negligent in that we haven't applied 1 John 1.9 and we haven't um, confessed our sins and asked His forgiveness and repented of those sins. Um, those sins remain. Those sins are, are in the books and we will be held to account for those particular uh, thoughts, words, and deeds on that day, and uh, that will negatively impact upon our eternal inheritance. And so, it's so important for us as believers to keep a short account of um, any sin in our lives and to make sure that we walk uh, as free from sin as possible. And in fact, it is very possible. If you go back to the teaching that we did on repentance from dead works, the very first foundation doctrine taught to the body of Christ. Um, we see that it's uh, um, more than possible for believers to walk this life uh, without committing sin. And uh, we won't go through that uh, teaching today because it's, it's quite a lengthy uh, teaching. Then we had a look at the fact that and we started on this particular issue, and I want to carry on with this topic today, about the fact that our works that we do in the Spirit are the works that will be rewarded on that day. 
um, we saw that uh, uh, we can walk in one of two uh, conditions on the earth. We can either, the Bible teaches us, um, this I say, walk in the, in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And for the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. And these two are contrary to one another so that you can't do the things that you wish. And so what the scripture teaches us is as believers, we must learn to walk in our spirits. For it is all that which is done in the spirit that will be rewarded on that day. Everything done in the flesh will be burned up and there will be no reward forthcoming because obviously those works will not stand. And so that is something that we need to take um, into account very clearly in um, our walk going forward, um, looking at this day of judgment. Again, go back to previous teachings that we've looked at. Uh, we've seen in Scripture that as believers, we need to be approaching this day of judgment with purpose. We need to be focused on our day of judgment because it's coming, whether we you know, believe it or not, whether we like it or not. We will be all standing before our Lord Jesus Christ on that day, and we will all have to give an account for our lives on that day. And so... <clears throat> We saw that um, it's quite a simple formula, really, to work out what is going to be, because people asked, you know, well, what will be rewarded on that day and what will be burned up? Because Paul speaks about um, building with silver, gold and precious stones and wood, hay and stubble. And he talks about the fact that uh, somebody's, uh, he, you know, he said, mentions a particular individual will stand before the Lord in that day and everything that they've done in their lives will be burned up completely and they will have no reward, they will have no inheritance. He says they'll still be saved, yet so as by fire. But um, everything they've done in their lives as Christians, this is not as unbelievers, as Christians, uh, will have no eternal lasting and so there will be no reward given to that particular individual on that day. And so we, it's very important for us to understand what will remain and what will be burned up. And so the scripture is actually very clear to us on this issue. That which is built with silver, gold and precious stones is all that which is done in the spirit. Uh, that which is built with um, wood, hay and stubble is all that which is done in the flesh. And so as Christians we must learn very clearly to walk in the spirit and to uh, do everything in the spirit. For it is our spirits that are born again and our spirits um, will always do the will of God and will always uh, seek to please God because, again, that is the, the motivation that we should have in life on this earth. That all that we do, we do to please our Lord Jesus um, and not to please mankind and not even to please and certainly not to please the flesh. Uh, they're speaking of our own flesh. We should always do what, what we do in the earth to please the Lord Jesus and we can then be relatively assured that those works will stand the test of fire on that day. And uh, we saw that you know, we are called to actually uh, fulfill the righteous requirements of the law um, because that those who walk in the Spirit, the Scripture teaches us very plainly, will fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. And our Lord, in speaking about um, the Day of Judgment, on that day, let me just quote that scripture again, which is in Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. Um, our Lord says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law 
till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so <clears throat> shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> and so our Lord is not saying that if you break his commandments, uh, you're going to go to hell. He's saying, no, you're still in the kingdom of heaven, but you're, not, you're going to be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whereas those who are keeping the Lord's commandments and teaching others to do exactly the same thing, they shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, that is as a result of the judgment pronounced on them on that day of judgment. And so, you know, we are definitely called as believers to uh, uphold the law and to keep the law. But we do, we do it in the spirit. Because again, under the new covenant, God the Father writes his laws in our hearts and in our minds. The book of Hebrews teaches us um, that the Lord says in that day, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, house of Judah, and I will write my laws upon their hearts and upon their minds. Um, and he talks about the fact that the, our sins and iniquities he will remember no more. And each one of us will know God, and none of us will teach one another get to know God, because everybody will know them, know him from the greatest of them to the least of them. And so that is uh, where the law is. It resides in our hearts and in our minds as we spend time in the Word of God and renew our minds to the Word of God. Because obviously we need to now be spending time in the Word of God. And as, he, as we do that, God then writes His laws in our hearts and our minds. And we then in turn live out that. So we don't go to uh, a set of rules that says thou shalt not. We go to our spirit and our spirit guides us. This is the way we should be walking. Uh, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And uh, the Holy Spirit, through our spirit, guides us on how we should walk as believers uh, in this life. It's a spiritual walk. We're called to walk in the Spirit. And so I want to just continue with that vein of thought today uh, with regards to the fact, because it's very important. Because, uh, we, again, we're talking about our eternal judgment. And the judgment that is, we said it before, the judgment that is pronounced on that day is for all eternity. And, uh, and so when we uh, stand before the Lord on that day, we should uh, be able to stand there with confidence from the point of view of, Lord, we have spent our time on this earth doing the works that you called us to do in the Spirit. We've walked in the Spirit. And... Uh, we're quite comfortable that our works will be tested by fire on that day and that those works, in fact, will remain. And they will remain if we do what the Holy Spirit teaches us to do, which is to walk in the Spirit. So let's have a look at another scripture, um, which again highlights and reinforces this particular truth to us, that if we choose to walk in the Spirit, we are assured that our works will be rewarded on that day. But if we choose to walk in the flesh, and again, as I was showing, the, the Christian is really split into two parts uh, in, in the earth today, in that we have our spirit and we have our flesh. Our flesh is made up of our earthly bodies and the carnal mind. Uh, the earthly bodies we keep under, we bring our bodies into subjection, as Paul teaches us, uh, through the fruit of self-control. And now with regards to our carnal minds, we renew our minds to the Word of God so that we can become spiritually minded. We do need to transition from being a carnal minded Christian to becoming a spiritually minded Christian. Um, and so as we do that, we will then become uh, more spirit conscious and we will begin to walk more and more in the spirit. And that which is done in the spirit will, will last for all eternity. And so the scripture we want to look at today is in Colossians 
chapter 3 beginning at verse 23. Scripture says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Verse 24, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And so he's talking very specifically about our eternal inheritance here. And this is how we're going to receive from the Lord our eternal inheritance. In, if we have this um, attitude, is kind of the, the word you can say, if, if we do what he tells us to do, he says, whatever you do, so that's everything, whatever, you, whatever means it, whatever, that's every thought you have, every word you speak and every deed you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Now that word translated heartily in this passage of Scripture is a bit unfortunate because it doesn't quite bring across to us what in fact the Holy Spirit is wanting to communicate to us. Um, that word heartily can also be translated out of the Spirit. And so that would be a more accurate translation of that particular verse of Scripture. And so we can read it again and put that translation in and would say, And whatever you do, do it out of the Spirit, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your, uh, the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. And so, again, just that passage of Scripture just once again uh, reinforces to us that as believers, we need to be living out of our spirit. This whole Christian walk is a spiritual walk. Under the Old Covenant, they couldn't do that. They couldn't walk in the Spirit. They were not born again. And so they didn't have that ability. We, under the New Covenant, have that ability because our spirits are born of God. And so, under the New Covenant, everything should be done out of the Spirit. And that if we apply that, whatever we do, doing it out of the Spirit, we're assured that when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ on that day, that we will receive the reward of the inheritance. And so it's very clear for us in Scripture that um, we will, we, that which is done in the Spirit will, be, will endure um, and not be burned up on that day. Let's have a look at another Scripture, which again reinforces this truth to us. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. Uh, again, the, the Apostle Paul writing, uh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul writing to the church uh, at Ephesus. And he says, bond servants, and that obviously is written to us as believers today. Bond servants, be obedient, and bond servants today would be employees. Uh, we have employers and employees. In, in Paul's day, they had masters and slaves by and large. Um, so bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Now, when he says masters according to the flesh, he's talking about, you know, if you, you've got a job out in the world and you're now working for a company and your, your boss happens to be, uh, I don't know, but, uh, a Muslim believer, um, you know, he's not a Christian. You still have to serve him as if you're now serving the Lord. Look at how he puts it across. Um, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart. Um, as to Christ. Verse 6, not with eye service as men pleases, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. From the heart here in this instance, from the Spirit. Again, he's, he's reinforcing this from the Spirit, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. 
And so again, uh, the Apostle Paul just re-emphasizing to us that whatever we do, we're to do it from our spirits, from the heart, um, not and as pleasing the Lord, not as trying to please men. So, you, you know, we don't, in our daily uh, work that we do, we don't do our work so that, you know, the boss can be pleased with us and we, you know, we can be seen by our guys around, yeah, here's a diligent worker, not at all. Whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. And so, you know, we might have, you might be working for a boss who is actually an, uh, not a good boss, let's put it, put it mildly. Um, but nevertheless, we have to serve that person as serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Because whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord and we do it out of our spirits. And so we're not going to do half-hearted work. We're not going to do things that are not pleasing to the Lord. Um, because what I do, my work that I do, I'm doing it to the Lord. I'm not doing it for an individual. You know, whether that individual recognizes my work or not is immaterial to me, is what my Lord recognizes that is completely material to me. And so whatever I do, I'm going to apply myself completely because I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And besides, I'm doing it out of my spirit. And my spirit, uh, we have been given a spirit of excellence. Uh, you know, the spirit that we've inherited from God our Father is the nature of God the Father. And everything that God does is good. And so we as his children should emanate him and do everything good. Um, well done. You know, we should do things well. Uh, the Bible talks about the fact that Jesus did things well. And we need to do things well. And therefore be well pleasing to God our Father. And that is everything. That's in our daily work routine that we have. Whether we be at home uh, washing the dishes, uh, drying the dishes, do it as unto the Lord. So do a good job. Don't do things half-hearted and, you know, oh, this is such a chore. You know, the, the Old Testament saints, uh, the Lord took them to task because even the priests had gotten to such a, a, a rut you know, that doing the daily things in the temple, serving God and offering up the sacrifices, to them it became a chore. To them it became, oh, geez, such a, t a tedious thing. Do I have to go do this again today? And the Lord didn't, was not really pleased with that. Now you think about that. Think these guys are appointed by God to serve Him on behalf of the nation and to offer up sacrifice to, to, to the Almighty God. And their, their attitude in that job was, oh, you know, this is such a tedious thing that I have to do. God was not pleased with that, not at all, believe you me. Now, and he said so. In, 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 you know, I don't have the actual scripture in front of me, but that's exactly what the Lord said through one of his prophets. Um, now, you take that out to the rest of us who are out in the world doing whatever work that the Lord has given us, you know, had, uh, whatever jobs he's blessed us with. Um, even it's our own business, uh, you know, and we oh, I get up in the morning, oh, do I have to go do this again? That's not pleasing to the Lord. We need to be approaching every single day, whatever we do, do it heartily, do it out of your spirit as to the Lord, because it is to the Lord. We, and that is the, the mindset that Christians are meant to have. That, you know, whatever I do, I'm doing it to you, Lord, and I'm going to do it to the best of the ability that you give me. Because he gives us the ability. I am what I am by the grace of God, Paul said. And that's exactly the, the case. And we are to do everything by his grace. And he enables us. If we, if we access that grace by faith, because also we can get into 
doing it out of our own strength and doing it in our own ability. And, you know, there again, we miss it because now we've gone step back into the flesh. Everything we do, we must say, Lord, you know, I, I need your grace. Today I'm going to be serving you in my job. I'm going to be serving you in cleaning the house, whatever it is. Um, I need your grace. I need to serve you, Lord. I need to be pleasing to you. And uh, so, and that then the Lord imparts his grace to us. That pleases him. And he gives, and it becomes a joy. Even when the, the boss is grumpy at work, you know, it still becomes a joy. And, you know, because why? Because who is your boss? The Lord, the Lord Jesus. And so that's who we actually serve. And that is the one that we should be uh, wanting to please at all times. And so it's that which is done on the spirit, out of the spirit, which will be rewarded on that day. Here's a, a, um, an analogy that I want to give you, a passage of scripture, and it highlights for us the difference between um, works done in the flesh and works done in the spirit. Because the two on, from the outside can look like they're the same works. But remember what we said, the Lord looks upon the motives of the heart. For the counsels of the heart and the hidden things of the heart will be revealed on that day. And so that motive is really what the Lord's looking at. He's not looking at the deed, he's looking at the motive behind the deed. That is what will determine what will be burned up and what will remain on that day. Look at the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 3. Again, this is the passage of scripture on love. Uh, which everybody knows, uh, teaching us about the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts and the love that we as believers have access to and can walk in. We had that ability to walk in the love of God. And so Paul writing, he says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And so here's a good work done uh, in the earth, which from the outside, from people looking upon that good work, it looks like a tremendous good work. Because here this person has bestowed all of his goods to feed the poor. I mean, how many Christians do you know that do that? There's not a lot. Uh, but there's, there's, there's some worldly people that have done that, who just bestowed everything they own to feed the poor. Now, when you look at that good work from the outside, that looks like a good work. And surely that will be rewarded from the Lord. And here we go. He goes on, though I give my body to be burned. Um, and so here's somebody who's prepared to sacrifice his life for other people. Because what's he giving his body to be burned for? It's, you know, Paul talks about uh, somebody might be prepared to die for a good man. And so here's somebody saying, yeah, I'm prepared to give my life for so-and-so uh, because so-and-so is, you know, I don't know, whatever the reason. But so both of these works, you know, from the outside, they look like good works. But Paul said, but if I don't have love, in other words, if love is not the motivation for those good works, it profits me nothing. So what you have here is you can have two people doing exactly the same good works. You can have two people standing side by side and both of them giving everything that they have for the poor. All right. One will be rewarded by the Lord on that day and the other one will receive nothing from him. Why? Because the one is doing it out of love and the other one is doing it out of uh, the flesh by wanting to be seen by men to be doing good works. 
and uh, for whatever reason they're doing it but they're certainly not doing it from the motivation of love now the only way that we can walk in the love of the lord is in the spirit for the love of the, of, of the lord dwell is in our spirit for the very first fruit of the spirit is love the bible teaches us the book of galatians now the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faithfulness meekness self-control and so love is the first fruit of the spirit the human spirit uh, for don't forget we are the branch jesus is the vine and he's the root and as the branch abides in the vine it is the branch that bears the fruit the vine doesn't bear the fruit the branch bears the fruit and so we bear the fruit and the fruit that we bear comes out of our spirits our spirits um, bears the fruit of the Spirit. So the, that which the book of Galatians is speaking about when it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. A lot of people think, well, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not at all. Um, the, God is love. And so God doesn't bear the fruit of love. He, the branches that are, are abiding in Him bear the fruit of love. And so it is the human spirit that bears this particular fruit of love. And so it, it's only that which is done in the Spirit, in love, that will be rewarded on that day. For Paul very clearly tells us, uh, and the Holy Spirit through Paul clearly tells us, that I can do the most benevolent works, but if it's not done out of the love of God, now don't forget that we're talking about God's love. We're not talking about human love. You know, you have people that are, you know, they love their nation and they just want to do what good for their nation. Whatever it is, people, you know, they love their family and they just want to. But it's not the love of God because they're not doing it to please Him. They're doing it to to look after their families. They're doing it because they love their nation and they want their nation to prosper. They, they, that's the, you know you, you get people that give their life for for their, their their nation. You know they're so proud of their nation they're prepared to go to war and um, die for the, the the nation. You know I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that the rewards will be given on that day for that which we've done to please Him. Christ Jesus our Lord and that's the love that we do uh, that we operate out of and so that's why I say you can look at two exact works in the natural they both on the outside are look they look exactly the same however one will receive reward from the Lord on that day the other one will receive nothing on that day because why because the Lord looks upon the heart the motivation of the heart and that is where the crux lies we need to be walking in the spirit and everything that is done in the Spirit will be rewarded by our Lord Jesus Christ on that day. So if you have a desire to be rewarded by the Lord when we stand before Him on that day, then I encourage you to walk, learn to walk in the Spirit and to only do everything in the Spirit and out of your Spirit because that is what will be rewarded on that day. Everything done in the flesh. And believe you me, you know, the vast majority of the church, it's sad that the vast majority of the church do not walk in the spirit. They walk in the flesh. Um, because a lot of them just haven't ever been taught that they have this ability to walk in the spirit. Because, the, you know, the spirit side of the, of the Christian walk is just not emphasized in the church, which is so sad because that is the whole crux of the Christian walk. You know, I, I say it very often to guys, I say that the Christian walk is an impossible walk. It cannot be done. It's impossible. Um, for if it was possible, then we didn't need Jesus. 
Uh, we could have done it without him. But because it is impossible, we need Jesus. Where is Jesus? He dwells within us. And again, in the book of Galatians, Paul says, It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, I live by his faith. And so we are meant to be living by allowing Christ to live through us. That is how the Christian walk works, is by, by his grace. By, and I need to believe it. I need to believe it, confess it, and then walk in it. And as I do, then God walks through me and makes himself, it's his grace. It's his, his, that's why I'm the fellow laborer. I'm just a vessel. We, we become vessels used of the Lord. And he takes this vessel and he does what he wants to do in it and through it. But I have to allow him to do it. He's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force him, himself through me. I have to say, Lord, here am I. Use me. And that's what he will do. And that's what we uh, will receive uh, reward for on that day. And so every work in the Spirit will be rewarded on that day. Nothing goes unrewarded. Yeah, we, again, we mentioned that heaven's records are so complete and so absolute that, you know, there's, there's, there's stuff that we will be rewarded for on that day that we would have thought, how did heaven even take note of that? I didn't. And yet heaven took note of it. And the scripture, I've quoted it, we'll quote it again in Matthew 10, verse 42. Our Lord speaking, he says, and whatever gives, forgive me, let me say, and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. And so nothing will go unrewarded on that day. Everything that we've done in the Spirit um, will be rewarded on that day. Everything. Uh, you know, I can't emphasize it more because that's it. Everything will be rewarded. Um, but not every good work looks like a good work. Because some, some good works in the natural don't look good. Uh, they look, uh, the scripture teaches us in the book of uh, Corinthians that things of the spirit are foolishness with the natural man. The natural, the carnal mind doesn't look upon things of the spirit and say, well, that's a good work. Um, because as far as the natural mind is looking and the carnal mind thinks it's not a good work. And, you know, there's even condemnation that comes down upon a, a Christian who's doing a good work in the spirit. Um, and that good work is being recognized by heaven. But those on the earth uh, who are walking in the natural, that's now obviously unbelievers as well as believers who are walking in the natural and with their carnal thinking, they look upon a spiritual work done by a believer as being not a good work. And as I said, there can even be condemnation pronounced on that individual. Uh, why did you do that? You should not have done that because that's not a good work. You say, all right. You've kind of said a lot there. Can you give any scripture to back up what you just uh, said? Yes, I certainly do. And so the scripture is in Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 6. Um, let's have a look at the good work that everybody else thought was actually not a good work. Except one person. And that's the person that we need to always be wanting to please. And so the scripture says in verse 6, he says, And when Jesus was in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him, having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant, fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. This is speaking of Mary. We know it's Mary. Uh, verse 8. 
But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And so here we have a very clear account of a good work done in the Spirit, uh, which is recognized by the Lord as a good work, um, because He calls it a good work. And uh, if He calls it a good work, believe me, it's a good work. Um, whereas everybody else in that room looked upon her, obviously some more than others. I mean, Judas really had a go because yeah, he was obviously uh, stealing money. But uh, a number of the other disciples agreed with Judas, and they looked upon this good work that our Lord said as not a good work. And you know, their viewpoint was this was an absolute extravagant waste of money. They could have taken this money because that turned out to be a lot of money. I think, uh, I think that in another account we see that it's a, a year's wages. So, you know, it's a huge amount of money for just this one thing. And uh, the, the, the viewpoint, you know, we could have sold this and we could have taken that money and given it to the poor. Now, in the natural, that makes sense. Take this, I mean, we're talking about a lot of money here, okay? Um, take that money, take that flask, sell it. Get that money and now let's give that to the poor what is the better work giving to the poor or pouring all of that over in their eyes a prophet's head um you know and and anointing his head with with this extravagant waste they didn't understand that they, they were dealing with the uh, the son of god at that time they, you know they kind of had an idea but they, they didn't got it it hadn't sunk in yet and so that's the comparative. And so when the world... But our Lord says, no, no, this is a good work. Believe you me, Mary is going to be rewarded tremendously on that day by our Lord Jesus Christ for this particular work that she's done. Um, and so, you know, there's the comparative. That's a work done in the Spirit. She was led of the Holy Spirit to do what she did. She prepared our Lord's body for His burial. And so that was not her doing it out of her own. From she, It was definitely, she was led of the Spirit to do that particular good work. And she will be rewarded for all eternity for that particular work done. But in the natural, and amongst, were, were kind of, they were believers, they were not born again believers, but the disciples of the Lord. A lot of them were actually angry about what she did. And they condemned her for what she did. And our Lord took them to task because of it. He was not pleased about their reaction. But the point that I wanted to get across here is in the natural, some of the good works that we do in the spirit do not actually look like good works. But again, it's the motivation of the heart. Look at what Mary's motivation is. She was in love with the Lord and she wanted to do what she could to show him just how much she loved him. And this is what her way of expressing her love for our Lord. And our Lord looked upon that work as a good work. And so God looks on the heart. God judges the works that we do based on our motivation of what we do, how we, what we, or why we do in those works. And that is what will be rewarded by our Lord on that day. 
And so, you know, we're not to be sidetracked by, again, you know, if the Lord lead me to do something, what if everybody else going to think about this? Who cares what everybody else is going to think about it? It's what he thinks about it that counts, not what everybody else thinks about it. Uh, Mary, maybe she didn't realize how she was going to offend certain disciples in that room that night. Um, but I'm, I think she must have, because she, you know, she, she, they, uh, th that family uh, was quite a wealthy family, and so they knew what money was all about. Um, so she wasn't being wasteful. She, she knew what she was doing. But uh, that was her motivation because she loved the Lord. And so, you know, if we're led of the Spirit of God to do th certain things, and we're doing it because we love our Lord Jesus and we want to please Him, then you will not to be influenced by what others around us, even fellow believers around us might think and say, even if they maybe condemn us for that which we do, because we know our hearts. That's why Paul said, you know, it's a very small thing that you guys judge me. Um, I don't even judge myself because I know nothing against myself. And so, you know, that is the way we should always be, that we, whatever we do, we're doing it to please the Lord. And when we go down that road, I can guarantee you that your reward will be guaranteed on that day. Uh, you will receive your reward of your inheritance from our Lord Jesus on that day, and you will not lose out in any other way. Um, now, there's an aspect of, of uh, our judgment that I also want to touch on today in, uh, that is different, slightly different to what we've been dealing with up to now. And that is, we need to be doing the works of the Lord. So up to now, we've been speaking about doing works out of our spirit, um, and our motivation for that which we do must always be to please Him. But there's also the case of we need to be doing the works of the Lord. In other words, we need to be doing works that God Himself has prepared for us to do in the earth. Um, and one of the, the aspects of our judgment on that day is that if we have failed to do the work that He's called us to do, we will lose out on our rewards for those works that we should have done. So now we're not talking about works that we actually are doing throughout our lives. We're talking about works that God has called each one of us to do in this life. Now, if we fail to do those particular works, um, there are rewards that have already been laid up for us in heaven um, based on those works being completed. Uh, if we do not do those works, then we are forfeiting those rewards that have been stored up in heaven already for us. Um, and so we need to know what it is that the Lord has called us to do in the earth. And let's start off with the scripture in Romans chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 1, so that we can understand this concept about uh, the works that God has called us to do. For there are specific works that each one of us, our Lord, has called us to do in this earth. And we're going to be held to account on that day as to whether we completed those works or not. And so the scripture says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is teaching us that there is God's good and, and acceptable and perfect will. 
Now that word acceptable is also can be translated permissible and that's actually maybe a better translation of that particular word because what it highlights to us is that in fact God has two wills. He has his permissible will, acceptable, his acceptable and he has his perfect will. Now God's permissible will is uh, the fact is that God will permit us to do what we want to do. We have a free will. None of us uh, are robots. God doesn't move us around like pawns on a, on a chessboard. Um, we have our free will. We decide what we're going to do and what we're not going to do to a point, but we, we won't go to that in any detail today. Um, but what God's permissible will is, is that God permits his children to do, to live their lives as they so choose. Um, now, obviously, he doesn't permit sin. He does up to a point, but eventually he then starts to judge sin because, you know, it's not the will of... He doesn't want his children committing sin. But we're not talking about sin now. We're talking about um, living our lives as we see fit and not seeking his perfect will because there is a difference between the two. God's perfect will um, is God has prescribed for us uh, a path that he wants us to walk on. Now, it's up to us to choose to walk on that path or to choose to walk on another path. Still a good path because it's not a case we're going into committing sin, but we're just not doing what it is that the Lord has called us to do. We're not doing His perfect will. We're walking now in His permissible will. So He's permitting us to do what we choose to do, but, you know, He would prefer us to do what He's called us to do. Um, and so let's have a look at another scripture which will just help us to, to see this truth which is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are His workmanship. Talking about God. We're His workmanship. He, don't forget, He is the Creator. We are the creation. And we tend to sometimes forget that. That He is our Creator. And He has made us. And, you know, God has given us certain things when He made us. He said, uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So before we even come into the earth, God has prepared for each one of us certain good works that we are called to walk in. No one else. We are called to walk in those good works. Those are the good works that God has prepared for us. And we're his creation. And so he's created me to walk in those good works. And I fit in perfectly into those good works because that is what God created me to do. Now, if I choose and I can, I can go choose to walk down another path and do something else. Um, but what has happened is now I'm no longer uh, walking in the good works that he's prepared for me. So I'm now outside of his perfect will. I'm now into God's permissible will. And so... You know, God has created us, and you know, some of us are more artistic than others. Some of us are good administrators. Uh, and so each one of us have what we call natural talents, but in actual fact, they're not natural at all. They're given to us by God. Those are gifts given to us by God. And it is up to us to seek the Lord to find out just what it is, uh, what, what gifting He's given us, and then, Lord, what are you wanting me to use this gifting for? How do you want me to uh, minister the gift that you've given me? Now, some people think about just the, on the artistic side, for argument's sake, and uh, people with uh, good vocal, uh, good voices. 
now a lot of them use that talent given to them by God because God is their creator. God is the one who gave them that voice. They didn't get it because you know uh, they made it themselves. Not at all. God gave them that voice. Now a lot of people take that talent and they go out and they use it for their own benefit uh, from the point of view of, of a good singing career and making a lot of money. And there's nothing wrong with that up to a point. Um, because don't forget, God has, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And so our God is our creator. So if he gives me a talent, um, primarily, first and foremost, I should be using that talent for his glory and not for my own glory and for my own benefit. Now, as I say, God does allow us to use our talents for ourselves. And up to a point, that's fine. God's got no problem with that. But if it starts to, um, and I'm talking about believers now, I'm talking about unbelievers. If it starts to um, take us out of God's perfect will for our lives, and we now start becoming more focused on our own lives and not on glorifying the Lord and ministering as He's called us to minister, well, then we're missing it. Now we're, we're not doing the good works that God has called us to do. Because let's go back to that passage of Scripture, Ephesians again. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And so that's the primary purpose of the, um, our creation. God has created us. We are His workmanship. And so whatever gift God has given me is for the good works which He has prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. And so I've been given specific talents, specific gifts by God, and the reason He gave them to me is so that I can now go do the work that He's called me to do. And that is one of the, the judgment accounts that we will give of ourselves when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on that day. And so the gift that I receive from the Lord, in fact, primarily is to be used to minister to His body. I'm called by the Lord to bless His body with the gifting that He's given me. Um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, uh, the Apostle Peter reinforces this truth to us. He says, as each one has received a gift. And so it's very clearly, each one of us have received a gift. Not, it's not, none of us are left out. Uh, every single believer in the body of Christ has received at least one gift from the Lord. Some have received more, and to whom much is given, much will be required. So those who receive more, God requires more. However, nevertheless, each one of us have received at least one gift from our Lord Jesus. Now, why do we get that gift? As each one has received a gift, minister it, the what? That gift to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so we're called to minister the gift that God has given to us to the body of Christ. We're meant to be stewards of that gift that He's given us because it's the manifold grace of God. So in other words, God manifests His grace to His church through me and through you and obviously through every one of us. So the gift that I have been given by the Lord as I minister that gift to the body of Christ, what I'm in fact doing, I'm displaying to the body of Christ the manifold grace of God. God is manifesting His grace to the, the body because they are now being ministered to through the gift that God has given me. Um, I, again, I'm just the vessel. I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, the vessel. I'm the instrument that God is using to bless His body. If 
I take the gift that He's given me and I minister to it, it to His body as a faithful steward. That's what I'm called to do. And so, as, as believers, it's very important for us to go before the Lord and to find out from the Lord, Lord, what gifting have you given me? And then when, we, when He reveals to us our gifting, and some giftings are just so obvious that you, know, you, you don't really have to pray too hard to find out what it is, but some people do struggle to find out what their gift is. But if you go before the Lord, He's faithful, and you know, he'll, he'll reveal that gift to you without a doubt. And then, all right, Lord, so this is what you've given me. Now, I need to be a faithful steward of that gift, Lord. Will you show me where you want me to minister that gift and how you want me to minister that gift? How do you want me to minister to your body? And again, he, that's exactly what he will do. He will then lead you and guide you to walk in the good works which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's what he wants us to do. Um, and look at the end result of us doing exactly that. We can have a look at in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he reinforces what uh, Peter has just, uh, we've just read in uh, Peter's letters. He says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So Paul just now amplifies it because he, he says to each one of us grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So he's again re-emphasizing each one of us have received a gift from Christ and we have received the grace uh, that we need in order to walk in that gift and to minister that gift to the body of Christ. Verse 16 he says from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what? By what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so what happens here is that the gift that the Lord has given unto me, as I recognize that gift, and then as I seek the Lord to find out how He wants me to minister that gift to His body, when I do that, I am doing my share, okay, because he talks about which, um, how every part does its share and how every part um, supplies. And what happens? Causes the growth of the body and the edifying of itself in life. And so as I'm doing what God has called me to do and walking in those good works, the, the, the result and effect of what I do is causing the body of Christ to grow and to be edified and it's, there's I, the gift that God's given me I'm the only one who's got it now that sounds kind of weird but that's the, 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 the truth of the matter you know a, a believer sitting next to me has got the gift of prophecy I have the gift of prophecy and I'm just putting this out as examples so we both have the gift of prophecy however there's different ways that those, those giftings are manifested to the church and so the, way that, the unique way that the Lord uses me to prophesy is different to my brother sitting next to me who has the same, same gift, but he's used differently of the Lord in his gift. And so each one of us have a unique footprint, so to speak. And you know, we can minister our gift to the body of Christ, and no one else can minister our gift to the body of Christ. Only we can. Now, if we don't minister that gift to the body of Christ, if we, if we don't know we've got it, or we choose not to use it to minister to his body. We don't walk in the way he's called us to minister his gift. We withhold that gift from the body of Christ. 
what in effect are we doing? We're preventing the body of Christ from growing and, and getting to the, the fullness of the stature that he's called his body to be. And so it's as each one of us does our share, ministers our gift to the body of Christ, that we all of us impact on the growth of the body of Christ. And so on that day when we stand before the Lord Jesus, uh, he's going to hold us to an account for the gift that he's given us, that he gave us to minister to his body. And so he's going to say, well, you know, Mike, this is the gift I gave you, and this is how I wanted you to minister it to my body. Now, if I've been obedient to use, the, to recognize the gift he's given me, and then use that gift, minister it as he's called me to, then I can expect to be rewarded from my Lord on that day. Well done, good and faithful servant. But if I have ignored the gift, for, uh, let's just go down the road of not even recognize I've got a gift, okay? And so I now stand before the Lord and he says, Mike, this is the gift I gave you. And this is how I wanted you to bless the body of Christ. And I said, Lord, I didn't even know I had that gift. It's not going to be a case of, all right, Mike, you know, well, you know, we'll still reward you anyway. No, it's going to be a case, well, you know, because you didn't use that which I gave you, the talent I gave you. Remember the mina, the one guy, he didn't even use his mina, and God took that mina from him and gave it to the one who had ten. Um, I lose out on my eternal inheritance that was laid up in store for me on that day based on the good works that God had prepared. And so I needed to complete the good works that God had prepared for me in order to obtain that inheritance. And so I, 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 you get the guy who doesn't know he's got the gift. Then you get the guy who's got, who recognizes the gift he's got, but he then doesn't minister their gift to the body of Christ as he's led by the Spirit of God. He chooses to use that gift for his own benefit. Same manner, when he stands before the Lord, the Lord's going to say, all right, I, you, you, you recognize the gift I gave you, um, but this is what I wanted you to do with it. And you were meant to bless my body in this manner, for my, but this is what you actually did. You actually abused the gift I gave you, and you didn't bless my body. And so no reward forthcoming. And so you know, this particular part of our, our walk as believers is also so vital for us when it comes to our day of judgment. Because we will be held to an account by the Lord for the gifting that He's given to us and how we have used that gifting to minister to His body. Because it's, again, only as I minister the gift He's given me to His body that His body can then be, uh, called, be caused to grow in, through that avenue. Uh, you know, and it's, I understand it's a very small point uh, in part of the body that I impact on the body of Christ and so do you and so do all of us around the world. However, as each one of us uh, contribute to the growth of the body, the body is going to grow and uh, the blessing will flow and the reward will be there on that day of judgment. And so this is a very important part we need to recognize and understand you need to understand you do have you have received at least one gift from the lord and he expects you to take that gift and minister to his body so that his body can grow and so we need to seek the lord find out what gifting he's given us and then we need to seek the lord and find out how he wants us to minister that gift to his body what are the good works lord that you have prepared beforehand for me to walk in so that i may complete the good works that you prepared for me, so when I get to the end of my life, I can say like you did, Lord, and as Paul said, I've finished my race, I've run my course, now is laid up in heaven for me, the eternal reward. And that's where our Lord wants us to be. And so we're going to continue in the next, uh, we're still dealing with the eternal judgment, there's a lot 
uh, to cover in this topic because it's for all eternity. Um, and we want to have a look at uh, how our rewards are going to be relative to the cost. And we'll pick that up in the next teaching. But we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen.